Nordic Food Lab Radio. Shaga mushroom, an immune-enhancing superfood. It's called Shaga. It comes from Siberia. So I want you for a minute to just visualize what Chaga is as a being, as an energetic structure, as a nutrient, as a fiber. So it is Chaga. Maybe it depends on who you ask. The most utilitarian description would be the hard mycelial mass of the Inonotus obliquus fungus that grows on birch trees. Yet chaga is many things, including, now, a modern superfood, marketed to solve a host of health problems. But as with many trendy health foods, long before they reached the nutritional yeast-scented halls of Western health food stores, they were normal foods for the people where they grow. Which for chaga includes the Sami people of the northern Nordic region, who for many years have brewed it as a healing tea. Here's Sami traditional foods teacher Lila Speak Skalche as I asked her about it this summer. Chaga was in Sami Chatna and Bakhgil, and uh, now it was a very popular mushroom who grows on the birch tree, and we have always used it, but we never talk about everything what we use it. And the Swedish people have not been so interested because they say we don't have, the Sami people don't have so much knowledge. But of course, when they don't understand the language, when they don't understand the living style, and when we are lived in the area, so we are outside of that interesting. Mm. But today it's coming more and more because I could see how I work. But they are looking around the world and they look to the east, to Russia, and said, now we have got something new from Russia, and that was chaga. The mushroom grows almost exclusively on birch trees wherever they are found, in the boreal forests that ring the global northern hemisphere, and traditional users of chaga have been just as dispersed and diverse, from northern Canada to the Japanese archipelago, Russia, China, and Scandinavia. However, Modern health food marketing has pinpointed chaga's origins to Siberia, perhaps due to the fact that it was manufacturers in Russia who began brewing chaga industrially in the 1950s, and not to mention the fact that associating chaga with Siberia in particular adds an extra layer of exoticism. But it's not as though people like the Sami are exempt from the sway of health food marketing. So I began to question... What happens when this novel superfood is marketed back to the communities who have used it for thousands of years? And I said, Chaga? It was sprang tikka in Swedish and chatna, bakkel in Sami language. We have used it under thousands of years because we use it when we are sick, when we are tired and so, but we never talk about that. And uh, you know, you were here when the women come from the Sami TV and make a interview and take pictures and so because people are started to be interested of that even my people <laughs> and I'm very glad for that mm. and uh, it was mostly Norse where my roots are from mm. from my mother's side they take a lot of contact with me and I've been there and have different kinds of courses and education and things like that 
While I was staying at Lila's mountain camp in Salto, a journalist from the Swedish national TV Sami language program came to interview Lila about Chaga. Her name is Marit. She's an energetic and outdoorsy woman in her late 20s, and I was able to get in touch with her to ask her what she thought about Chaga's sudden popularity. Hi, I am Mare Steinfjell, and I'm a journalist at the Swedish national TV station, SVT. We are going to talk here, because it's glowing from much outside, it will be... Yeah. I wanted for a very long time to visit Laila and to interview her about Chaga, uh, because I had thought about it and had the angle that traditional knowledge, a trend. And I was a bit nervous when I went there because I don't want to, I didn't want to challenge her knowledge um, or be too critical. But then on the other side, I have to uh, not to be uh, distrusted as a journalist. In some families, the knowledge to use nature in medicine is still very alive, but not in all families. Um, but in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, I think all natural medicine have gained popularity, at least here in my surroundings. But Chaga became very popular just for maybe two to three years ago. And it is now like in... Every drugstore, you find it anywhere on websites. And I can imagine that it is so popular because it's not new. This was curious to me because novelty and exoticism is often the reason that we as Western consumers gravitate to a product. But according to Marit... It's more trustworthy for many people. Here in Sapmi, for example, because we know what chaga is. But the knowledge or the will to gain traditional knowledge about it become, comes from the Western interest in chaga. And if they hadn't started producing like white powder of chaga, uh, then it still would be just for some families uh, that already had this knowledge from the start. And so it have changed, as I see it, uh, but in the younger generations... Um, yeah, my, my elders don't like it um, or like it. They don't believe in chaga. They say, it's, yeah, we, they did drink it as coffee, but yeah, that's it. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can see in social medias that people are going out and collecting collecting chaga for themselves. And it is a pride doing it yourself and not buying it. Perhaps there's also indignation that it's being labeled Siberian and a need to prove that it is also, without a doubt, Sami. Uh, then you want to learn more about it and to tell that someone that, hey, this is our knowledge. Our ancestors used it. You haven't found anything new. But this eagerness to learn makes traditional knowledge keepers like Lila perhaps even more crucial. She can pass along her complex lived knowledge, which provides a perspective that books or websites cannot. 
and chaga we it take very long times before that was ready to harvest and for 42 years ago my father had a little a kind of needle what you open the cork from the bottles mm -hmm. and he make a hole here outside I have shown you that place yes. and so after 42 years it was ready to harvest but here in this area we don't got so big one because if you go more in the east there you have pine tree and it was warmer it will be much more bigger uh -huh. and uh, they could uh, I walk around and look after them and so I have a hammer and I just took, 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 take it Away. She knows when to harvest, how and how much, and even how to grow it, which could be an important detail when chaga are infamously rare to find. She also emphasizes different uses of chaga besides a tea. And so we make flour of that, you could use it when you bake, but before you bake we boil the drink you have drink four to seven times. Just the and crushed little pieces yes, of the chaga. Yes. Yeah. And so you put in the seal and take care of the chaga and boil it again four to seven times. She strains out the pieces and saves them, boiling them over and over to make use of every last nutrient. You drink it and after it was lot of things so don't come out. So you make a flower so you got the body got the rest of that mm. through the bread what you have put the chaga inside. Mm. And this matches up with the modern science on chaga. Evidently, to extract all the good stuff from the mushroom, you need to first brew it with hot water and then make a secondary extraction with alcohol. Or you can just do what Lila does and bake bread with the leftover tea dregs. In fact, a lot of what she says about the fungus is now being corroborated by nutrition and medical research, which is why chaga has become so popular around the world. But one thing she says caught my attention. Listen again. Chatna, Bakkil in Sami language, we have used it under thousands of years because we use it when we are sick, when we are tired and so, but we never talk about that. And uh, you Why know, don't you talk about it? No, because it we use it when you have very bad sickness. Uh -huh. And uh, so if sometimes you cannot uh, help the people who have that sickness, so it's better to don't talk about that. This actually happened a few times in different conversations with Lila. I would ask her something, and her response would be something like, But I will not talk about that now. She would instead offer more practical, instructional information like, And many people, they take a cup of that every day, and they are very clearly in the head, and they don't be so tired, and so. You see, I had drink a lot of that, because yeah. I, it had gone maybe two, three nights, I don't sleep it. So that's why I feel I got a lot of energy and it cleaned your body and attacked every bad things you have. In a world where chemicals from indigenous medicinal plants routinely get patented and marketed, Lila is in a precarious position. She says that Sami traditionally didn't talk about chaga because of its somber connections to death and disease, and perhaps mistrust of the neighboring non-Sami who did not believe in their folk medicine. But now if she doesn't share her knowledge, the Sami Chaga traditions could be forgotten altogether. And I interviewed Lila because I have experienced that others that have this kind of knowledge don't want to tell about them in public. And Lila is uh, quite special in that way for thinking that more people need to have this knowledge and she wants to tell and spread the word.
This includes to a non-Sami audience, the reason why people like me are welcome at her camp. But as more and more Sami people are becoming reinterested in Chaga, as a Sami person herself and a journalist, Marit's voice becomes an important one in conversations with knowledge keepers like Lila. But we speak the same language, uh, we are from the same culture, and we can truly understand each other without any misconceivings. And, um, and we can relate to each other also. Uh, we're from the same culture, uh, just not the same generation. And I like to think that that's uh, a very good thing when you are reporting to Samis with a Sami on Sami language. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a big, um, it's a big win to be able to do that, to be able to interview uh, another Sami, to have the same, yeah, the same language and the same uh, understanding of words and language and, uh, and to be able to tell about it to other Samis. Marit's ability to tell the Chaga story could also provide a better platform to bring up other issues affecting the Sami. Issues like ecological destruction, which is an increasing pressure on their livelihoods. If, if it would be known, in Sweden or in Scandinavia, in Norway, Finland, in Russia, that um, Chaga or Bakhichatna uh, is a Sami traditional knowledge. If they would know that it is a Sami knowledge, and I, I want to like <laughs> um, highlight the Sami, uh, if, if they would know that, uh, then maybe Samis could bring up other issues, like land destruction. If you could show that uh, this land is being destroyed and it's full of chaga or other plants of interest. But if they don't know, um, that Chaga or Bahkechatna is, uh, is a Sami traditional knowledge, then, uh, then I think it's hard. So maybe that's our job. So in the end, this story is not really about the Sami taking back their exclusive cultural right to Chaga, but instead more about the importance of people like Lila being able to maintain her peace in the global diversity of knowledge on the subject. And as Chaga's story gets told by more and more people worldwide, it is about people like Marit being able to share that story in her own words. Thanks to Lila Speak for her stories and knowledge sharing. And huge thanks to reporter Marit Steenfjell, who was kind enough to answer my questions. Thanks to Peter Orbeck Olsen and the University of Copenhagen student radio station, as well as CKUW in Winnipeg for the use of their studio. The great tune in this episode is by Sami Yoik artist and activist Maxida Merak and the Downhill Bluegrass Band, and sounds from freesound.org. The clip of Marit and Lila is from svt.se. This episode of Nordic Food Lab Radio was produced by me, Anna Sigrether. But that is coffee.
But where is the charm? 